easy to worry about all sorts of stuff. I read an article this week that in 1986, between 1986 and 2011, in 2011, we were getting five times the amount of information per day that we were in 1986. Now, I was in college in 1986, and I can guarantee you I wasn't getting that much information, so it probably makes sense. But five times, that was in 2011. I don't even know what the statistics are for 2018. But we are flooded, flooded, flooded with information. And here's the other thing I know. The people who are flooding us with information, not that I'm a conspiracy theorist or anything like that, they have a vested interest in us reacting. That's how they get clicks. That's how they get eyeballs. That's how they sell advertisement. And the number one thing they sell, and I don't care whether you're a Democrat, Republican, you read the Huffington Post, you read, you know, whatever, Drudge Report or whatever it is, right? The number one thing they're selling is fear. It's fear. Fear sells. We've heard the, 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 the statement, sex sells. They sell that too. Um, but fear is the number one thing they sell. And so you're inundated. And nowadays, you can have fearful stories, tidbits of information from all over the world in a second. You know exactly where the earthquake is. You can see pictures of the earthquake in a second. You can see little kids being carried off. You can, you can just have all these heart-wrenching things. I was on vacation and somebody told me about this duck boat incident that happened, right? And so I'm like, what's, first of all, I didn't know anything about it. And I said, well, what's a duck boat? And they said, well, it's a boat that you can drive on land and, and then you can drive it into the water, I'm like, well, nothing could possibly go wrong with that idea. Like, like stay on land and you'll be fine, right? And so they, they tell me it's in Branson, Missouri. And I, and I, I didn't know where Branson, I, I said, where's that? And they said, it's just right by, like, Addington. I'm like, no, where's Missouri? Like, I don't even know where, <laughs> I don't even know where Missouri is, right? We looked it up on a map at, at the house and I'm like, wow, it's totally not where I thought it was, okay? But, but, but we know about that tragedy, and we can read stories about that. And you can read stories about fires. And you can read stories about earthquakes. You can read stories about all these things. And it's just this overwhelming dread of fear. Now, fear is a natural response. You're never going to stop fear. God has actually placed fear in us for a good reason. If there's a burning building, your brain... Um, will fire out off adrenaline that will help you. You'll get frightened and your adrenaline will fire and that will get you out of the burning building. But we're, I, I don't know about you, but I'm scared of all sorts of stuff. I, I took some pictures. Um, I just wanted to show you just some of the things I'm afraid of. And you can raise your hand uh, if you're scared. Are, is anyone scared of sharks? Okay, good. All right, good. Thank you for playing along. Um, is anyone scared of flying? Okay. All right, just ma- muscle males. Okay, that's okay. Um, all right, uh, snakes. <laughs> T- totally, totally. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm frightened of snakes. To me, there's no good snake, okay? It's, Satan was a snake. I mean, come on, what more evidence do you need? Um, and Satan was probably also a clown. Uh, who's scared of clowns? Really? I thought there'd be more people scared of clowns. Speaking of being scared of clowns, uh, 
right? Now, this just represents just, you know, nu- you know war. Like, who's, who's scared of, you know, like that nuclear war? Okay, uh, so that was it. If you're like a real big uh, Kim Jong-un fan, I, I apologize. You can r- write me a nasty letter on your, on your connection card. First of all, okay, no. All right. Um, heights. I'm scared of heights big time. Lisa and I went hiking on vacation, and uh, so we're going along this gorge, and the river's down below, and I, 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 like, look over, and I'm just like, oh, gosh, and I have to, like, back up. Who feels compelled to jump? See, I think that's my fear, is, like, I, I, I fear like I have no self-control, and I just want to, like, jump and get it over with. All right, uh, this is a big one for me. That's a big one for me. Claustrophobia. Uh, it used to be, oh, I can't even look at it. it. It used to be so bad for me that in a movie theater, at least probably remembers this, I had to sit on the aisle. I couldn't, I couldn't sit any seats in. I had to just sit on the aisle. And she still married me, which is kind of cool. Um, uh, spiders. Yep. Any types of insect for me. Um, that's it. And uh, this is the number one fear for almost everybody. Um, public speaking, right? Which I do for a living. Go figure. I'm frightened all the time. I'm constantly (laughs) frightened. Well, what I wanted to do this week was show you something a little different. Uh, This guy, Carl Albright, uh, he wrote an article in Psychology Today, and uh, it's called Feararchy. And it's the hierarchy of fear. And so I wanted to show that to you, and you're like, well, John, aren't you supposed to be reading the Bible? We'll get to the Bible. Um, But the reason I wanted to do this was I wanted you to understand what's happening to your brain so that you can solve the problem. I I don't know if everyone will be able to see this. I hope so. Uh, You can come up afterwards and uh, take your cell phone and uh, take a picture of this if you'd like. All right. I'm awesome at this. All right. Hold on one second. Okay. So this is the hierarchy of fear. The, the, the uh, group on the bottom is called uh, extinction. Oops. Or we'll just call it death. <laughs> okay. That's, that's kind of the first thing. So the, oh, I spelled that wrong. I should have, I should have gotten the spell check for it. Is that wrong? Okay, when I do, um, what? No, death. Did I spell death right? <laughs> I don't know. Jonathan will tell me what it is. And I'll, I'll fix it. But, uh, oh, by the way, if you've ever seen me do uh, my two classes, Wesleyan Theology and History of Polity of, of uh, the Free Methodist Church, I always tell them I'm going to end up spelling words incorrectly, and so I apologize in the beginning. Um, so, Oh, extinct, because that's it. With a T? CT, extinction. Good, all right, well. Okay, so that's the first one, the fear of death. We all have it. Here's the bad news. The death rate is 100%. (laughs) Again, this might be a bummer for some of you. You are going to die, okay? Maybe not today, maybe not during this sermon, but you will die. But we have this natural fear of death, fear of the afterlife, fear of, of, um, of, of just not existing anymore. 
The second one, uh, we have the fear of extinction. Uh, it's, it's called the, the, the fear of, um, we're just going to call it pain, okay? That's not what he calls it, but it was just too long of a word. Uh, the fear of pain, and that is of being, having your arm broken, of being, um, uh, getting into a car crash, a fear of uh, uh, like being in a fire, all those types of things. And so you can already start to see the input that we have in our lives with all the social media and all the news outlets and everything. This, this is what they talk about the most. They want to tell you about, you know, have you ever been watching the news and it says, you know, um, you know, the one thing in your fridge that could be killing you. And you're like, what? You know, it's, it's um, pancakes. But... Um, but that's this, they, they, go, they go to this. They talk about, you know, uh, th- what's going on in the world and all this different pain stuff. We're, we're, we're scared of pain. The other thing is um, we're, we're scared of uh, losing our autonomy. We're scared of losing our autonomy. Of being at a place in your life where you can't drive anymore. Uh, you, you're bound to a wheelchair. You're bedridden. All those things. This is this category is uh, the, the the fear of losing your autonomy. Okay, and then the next one is uh, the fear of separation. Separate separation. All right, separation or an A there. Jeez, you guys are on top of it. I married an English teacher, so I'm just like I'm done with the paper. Correct it. It's really cool. Uh, separation. The fear of loss of a loved one. The fear of somebody cheating on you. The fear of um, you, you know, something happening to one of your kids. The fear of uh, being separate, of having a f- of close friendship, and then it gets torn apart. The fear of separation. And then the last one is ego. The fear of being humiliated. The fear of failure. The fear of people not thinking the, the most of you, this, this ego, the fear of not becoming all that you're supposed to be. Now, if you take any, uh, anything you see on the news or whatever, it's gonna, the fear that they're trying to sell is going to come in any, any, any one of these uh, five things. And so over here, we'll write fear because that's what this is. And he actually calls this feararchy. Like a hierarchy, but with fear. So fear, okay? Now, the question then becomes this. If God has created our brains, and our brains um, are, are set up, because not all these things are bad. If you don't have a fear of pain, <laughs> you can imagine what your life is going to be like. Painful, okay? If you don't have a fear of death, you'll probably die before most of us, okay? If you don't have a fear of being autonomous, maybe you just be walked on your whole life or whatever. If you don't have a fear of separation, how are you going to care for your kids? You know, you want to make sure they're okay. And the, even the ego's okay of, of just going, am I self-aware enough to know what I should say in a certain uh, thing and what I shouldn't say for a certain thing? So they're, they're all good. What happens to us, though, is that we become controlled by fear. It takes over. So what is a natural response with the way our chem- the chemicals in our brain are emitted and all that, while they could have some good things, we begin to be controlled by fear. And so what happens is when we're watching the news or we're listening to somebody talk or whatever, we begin to get gripped by fear. So 
What I want to talk about this morning is how do you deal with this in a way, instead of worrying and being fearful, how do you deal with this in a way that the Bible talks about that is healthy? And so what I want to talk about is the opposite of fear. Now, the opposite of fear is not courage. The opposite of fear is not uh, peace. It's not um, uh, disconnectedness. You know, the opposite of fear is not to just not fear. The opposite of fear is love. That is the opposite of fear. There is a, uh, an apostle, uh, uh, John, his name's John, and he wrote um, five books of the Bible. He wrote the Gospel of John, <laughs> very creative. Um, and then he wrote, is even more creative, 1 John, and then 2 John, and then 3 John. Uh, and then a really confusing book called Revelation. Um, and so uh, John was known in the Bible as the one whom Jesus loved. That's how he self-identified. And there's stories of, of, Jesus, of, of Jesus kicking back at dinner and John is just like, like leaning on him. Okay? And, and, uh, and so John is really, he, John knew he was loved by Jesus. John was secure in the love that Jesus had for him. John was, was, was secure knowing that whatever went down, whether they were traveling around Israel, whether they, they were coming up to the Pharisees and they were going, whatever went down, Jesus loved John. And so it's with that lens that John writes these words. There is no fear in love. There's no, there's no fear in love. Okay, you think, well, how, what does that have to do with, with world, you know, crises and things like that and, you know, all that? We'll get to that. But there's no fear in love. As a matter of fact, what, what John wants you to see is it's not just this passive thing that, oh, you know, let's all put, you know, flowers in our hair and we just love each other and then there'll be no fear. It's not, it's not passive like that. As a matter of fact, he goes on, he says this, but perfect love drives out fear. The Greek word for that is to be smitten with slaps, okay? Love slaps fear, <laughs> okay? It drives it out. It drags it out. It's in, the Greek word is, is to be forcefully removed, it's like love shows up and goes, what are you doing here? Grabs fear by the shirt and then just drags it outside. Perfect love drives out fear. Here's how, here it is all together. There's no fear in love. A perfect love drives out fear. Now, what I wanted to do this morning was something kind of fun. I wanted to go through each one of these and drive out the fear. I wanted to show you from the Bible why none of these should have control over you. Why, why, why fear should not control any part of your life. And I want to do it through the Bible because the, 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 script, the um, series that we're in is worry versus wisdom. 
that oftentimes just making wise choices, just knowing what the Word of God says, knowing why we should believe what we believe, knowing those things will, will, will be the beginning to be able to drive out these things that are in our brain, God created it that way, but have no business controlling us. Does that make sense? So, let's start with death, <laughs> okay? You know, scared of death. I, you know, I, I, I turned 50. I, I'm not going to lie. I think about death more than I did when I was 17, okay? Am I, am I scared of it? I think about it, but am I scared of it? I'll tell you why I'm not scared to die. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. See, my theology says this. Death doesn't really have anything to be scared of. Because when I die, all I do is enter in to the relationship that God had planned for me from the beginning of time, from the Garden of Eden, from uh, of where he is communing with me, I'm communing with him, there's no sin, there's no sorrow, there's no shame, there's none of that. Death actually becomes a completion into what I was created for. And so there should be no fear in death. Now, I know we have loved ones and we don't want to, you know, we want to stay around for them and uh, all, all those things. But, but the actual death part is just stepping into God's plan for me from the beginning of time. That's all death is. So you can be scared to die. I get all that. But it should never, ever control you where it just, it just operates in your thoughts all the time. God has created a way for us to spend eternity with him, the way we were created. He, he says this too. He says, um, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. He uses very, very strong language. Why does he do that? Because he wants you to understand that if your focus is going to be on the physical you are going to miss out on the kingdom of God that God has for you right now. You could be so scared to die that you don't even live. And Jesus wants you to live. Jesus wants you to enter each day. It says his mercies are new every morning. He wants you to experience that. The Bible says it this way. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Paul talks about that in Corinthians and what he's saying is, because he, he wraps it around this whole thing of like we've been given this physical body, certainly we've also been given a spiritual body. And he's trying to tell the church in Corinth, let's focus on the spiritual body and not so much the physical body. You have absolutely nothing to worry about when it comes to death if you're following the Lord. The second thing is pain. None of us want pain, okay? Uh, none of us want to get, you know, in, into an accident or anything like that. And God forbid, and we, we, we take lots of pain medications. And we, I mean, our society is so, like, opposed to pain. We medicate ourselves into oblivion because we're so scared of, of pain. And God looks at pain differently than we do. God looks at um, um, our, our um, 
ailments and um, things that happen, what we might call a disability. God doesn't necessarily see it as a disability. He just sees it as where you currently are in life and what is going on. As a matter of fact, Jesus is so much more concerned with the state of your soul and the state of how you're dealing with that pain that's going to come that he says this crazy statement. And this is why we don't necessarily have to worry so much about pain. He says, if your hand or foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. Now, if that were the case, we'd all just have nubs, okay? I mean, he's not literally saying to do that or else all of us would, be, would just kind of be waddling around. Um, it's better for you, listen to this, to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. Again, you go, whoa, that is like really strong language. What he's saying is, don't get so wrapped up in this life that you miss the other kingdom that is all around us. Jesus said this. He said, um, when you pray, pray this way, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God is more concerned with what you're going to do in your pain, with your pain, with him at your side, than he is us avoiding pain. Because if you look at it from his perspective, we're just a vapor on the earth. The Bible says we're like grass. You ever you just seen grass? It just gets like too much sun and it's done. Off it goes. We're like the lilies of the field. We, we're, we're gorgeous and then we die. That's how he sees us. So he's really concerned with, okay, instead of avoiding pain, instead of being fe fearful of pain, instead of letting this pain control, you, the, the fear control you, what are you going to do in the midst of your pain? And there's a lot to be done and there's a lot to be experienced. Autonomy. The fear of autonomy, the fear of, uh, yeah, this is where it shows up a lot in the news. Um, people are scared to death of what the government might take away from us. Okay, and I, I get that, I get that. People are, are uh, upset about the, what the government might, the restrictions the government might put on us. And, and I get all that. And, and hear me, vote, write your congressman. Do everything you do. If you're a Democrat, continue to be a great Democrat. If you're a Republican, continue to be a great Republican. But what I see oftentimes is this threatening of autonomy is just wrapped in fear. And in fact, the idea of somebody taking away a right or adding too much of something or whatever, it cripples the Christian. Which the Christian has no business being fearful of losing their autonomy. And you, you notice it here in that Jesus shows up on the scene in Israel... God's country, and it's occupied by the Romans. And Jesus doesn't spend any time talking about that. He doesn't spend any time going, man, if we could get those Romans out, then we could do it our way, and this is the way God... He doesn't spend any time doing that. He says, see, see, see the birds of the air, see the lilies of the field? They don't toil or reap or anything. Yet your Heavenly Father knows, takes care of them. Here's what the Bible says. And this is why we shouldn't be that uh, upset about our, our autonomy. And again, like I said, vote, do your thing, whatever. But keep this in the back of your mind. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit 
who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. You are not your own. I say, I can make my own decisions. I can do that. Theologically, you are not your own. You belong to God. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, can you imagine, with that in mind, as you go through your day, and someone threatens to take away your autonomy, and you say, I never had it in the first place. I never had autonomy in the first place. I've been bought with a price. I I, I enter every day going, God, how do you want me, how do you want me to, how do you want to use me? If all my rights are taken away by the government, I don't care what right it is, if they're all taken away, then tomorrow morning I have to wake up and go, God, how are you going to use me today with all my rights taken away? And you know what's great about God? He'll have an answer to that. He'll have an answer to that. Listen to this. But now you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. We become slaves of God. If I'm a slave of God, it doesn't matter what government I'm under. It doesn't matter what what my situation is. If I become bedridden, and I have to be in a bed my whole life, which is one of the things that frightens me, okay, of just losing that autonomy of being able to drive or whatever. I'm going to wake up in that bed in the morning, and God's going to say, here's what I got for you today. No autonomy, nothing. We don't need to fear that. We don't need to fear death. We don't need to fear pain. We don't need to fear autonomy. Well, what about separation? And this is difficult because oftentimes when it comes to separation, maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's a pet that God has created and that there's a bond there. And now there's this fear of separation. Of what, 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 what are you going to do from there? Well, the theological perfect love casting out this fear comes from the idea that your number one relationship It's not your spouse. It's not your kids, although they're lovely, beautiful children. Uh, It's not your best friend. It's not a pet. Your number one relationship is with your heavenly father. That relationship, that particular relationship, will give you the power and give you the strength to be able to get through any separation that happens on this planet. Any separation. Loss of a loved one. Divorce. Whatever, all the things you're scared of. If that relationship with God is strong, if that relationship is real. Now, is this going to be hard? Of course it's going to be hard. He knows that. God knows that. But he knows how to get you through it. His perfect love can cast that fear out. Will it cast the pain out? No, no. Your grieving process might go, there's no, there's no, right or wrong way to grieve. It might go years. But if this is here, that perfect love will drive out that fear. What if I lose somebody else? What if I'm alone? What if... Here's what he says. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. He's talking about the Israelites moving into their uh, land. But here's the reason he uses. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Ever, ever, 
ever. There might come a time in your life when there is a separation with a loved one. But you don't need to fear it. You don't need to spend any time thinking about it. Because your heavenly Father will never, ever, ever leave you. And he will see you through that situation if and when it happens. Listen to the way Paul writes it in Romans. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Nothing you can do. Nothing your neighbor can do. Nothing. Nothing angels can do. Demons can do. Nothing will separate you from the love that your heavenly Father has for you. And that love should drive out any of that fear. Fear has no mastery in any of these. Well, what about, what about the ego? What about the, um, uh, you know, kind of failure? You know, the fear of failure, the fear of humiliation. That's really what public speaking is. That fear that you have is the fear of being judged, okay? Like the fear of, of, of people, um, you, you, you putting yourself out in front and it doesn't quite make it. And so there's, there's just a fear of this, of this ego. There's a fear of failure. Um, I, I'm totally guilty of having a fear of failure. Um, I've had it my whole life. And uh, I, I know that about me. But I'm not going to let that fear have mastership over me. Here's why. Here's what the Bible says, again, in Romans. What shall we say then in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Right? If God says, oh, let me tell you about you. First of all, I think you're gorgeous. I think, I think, I think the way I created you and the, th- oh, if you could just, I, I just think you're, I think you're, you're awesome. Oh, the other thing I was thinking about the other day is that you have value. You're so valuable. You're so valuable. Now imagine you get done with public speaking and someone says, ah, that, that wasn't very good. And, and you're resting in the love of your heavenly father to go, oh, I'm so upset. <laughs> Actually, I'm amazing, okay? My heavenly father says, I'm incredible. So there. But imagine if you're resting in this love, it drives that fear out. The psalmist says it this way, and we're going to learn this verse today. Ready? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If you leave here with nothing else from today, except the ability when these things happen, and they will happen, to be able to say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Am I going to fear death? No, I'll be with the Lord. Am I going to fear pain? No, he'll see me through whatever happens to me. Do I fear losing my autonomy? No, because I was never really 
mine anyway. I was his the whole time. And so no matter what situation I'm in, I have to obey what he says anyway. Am I fearful of separation? No, because I'll never be separated from my heavenly father's presence and love. And do I fear what people think about me? No, because I know what my heavenly father thinks about me. This perfect love drives out fear. It goes up and it just starts, get out of here. So I grew up in a different era, and that was my mom. I usually had a shoe in her hand. So I know what it's like to be driven out of the kitchen, okay? And, and that's, what, that's what love does. So here, let's, let's learn this together, okay? So I'll, I'll break it up. You didn't know you were going to be going to Sunday school this morning. So we're going to say this together. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? If you're not good at memorizing, you can just stop there. You can wake up in the morning or turn on the news and just say, Ah, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? But I know that most of you are overachievers. So we're going to learn the second part of the verse. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You want to put it all together? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Let's try it again. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Ready? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Excellent. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we're thankful that you drive out fear. We're thankful that you grab it by the scruff of its neck and you just drag it across the floor and you put it outside. That we can rest in your love, that we can rest in your presence, that we can go through all sorts of things. Lord, we understand that fear is used in a natural way and it can be used for your glory as we uh, respond to different things. But Lord, to be mastered by it is not in your plan. And so Lord, I pray for those who are gripped by fear this morning. Those who are worried about death. They're worried about pain. They're worried about losing their autonomy. They're worried about being separated from loved ones. They're worried about what people will think. Lord, I pray that your perfect love this morning would just drive that out. And that they would leave here knowing that you are our light and our salvation. Whom shall we fear? You are the stronghold of our life. Of whom shall we be afraid? And so we thank you for that. In your name, amen. Amen.